And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, I'm riding solo, Brian is under the weather, and I just had to pod after the Nets' first win of the season. But first, we have to put a nail in the coffin on this Harden-Ben Simmons trade because James Harden just got traded to the LA Clippers. Let's talk about that coming up right up. Welcome back to the Blue Guys. Mike here. Brian is out sick. I am so excited to be potting with you all. I felt like you all deserved a pod since we haven't potted since before the season even began. Uh, Brian and I kind of have this rule where it's not that fun to pod after losses. I know we're not doing our duty, our duty as podcasters, but now that the Nets got a big fat W in the Queen City, Charlotte, the Nets are now one and two. On the season, uh, it was actually a fun game. The Nets continue to be a fun team. Uh, I'll talk about that coming up. But first, we finally got resolution. We got the resolution that we've been waiting for since James Harden quit on the Brooklyn Nets during that Sacramento Kings game. Gosh, was that 2021? I don't even remember when it was. Uh, I remember sitting... In my office watching that game, West Coast tip, super ridiculous, awful game. Uh, James Harden put on about the single worst performance I've seen from a Nets star during a regular season game, probably like in recent history. Let's be honest. And those were those were those fun days when uh, what was it? The Twitter. What's the Twitter live audio thing? The, the funny thing is, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Be, uh, chat rooms? No, it's called something, let's say, Twitter Live Audio. Uh, live Audio is called Spaces. That's when spaces were popping. That's when like a thousand people would rush into the spaces and want to discuss what just happened in NBA basketball. And that night, I was up with the rest of the sickos watching James Harden absolutely nuke the Brooklyn Nets and try to destroy the team from inside out. Um, I mean, it, it it was it was something that was so it was so evident that the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden were heading for a divorce. If we don't remember exactly what it was, this was back during the time when the Nets and there was all these reports coming out. None of it felt like how real is this? What do we know? that James Harden wanted to leave the team, that James Harden was dissatisfied, that he wanted to go to Philly. Philly had Ben Simmons chilling on ice, waiting to come back. This was the time when Kevin Durant was hurt, one of the many times Kevin Durant was hurt. 
in this game against the Sacramento Kings, a 101-112 defeat for your Brooklyn Nets. The Nets started in that game, Patty Mills, Kessler Edwards, Nick Claxton, Kyrie, and James Harden. James Harden in that game scored four points. He had six turnovers, more turnovers than points. He did have 12 assists, which I don't remember uh, him being that efficient as a distributor. But 0 for 5 from 3 to 11 from the field, a tidy 18% overall field goal percentage. Just to let you know, James Johnson got about the third most minutes in that game, the fourth most minutes. He had a pretty decent game, 8 for 11. But I remember being on the Twitter spaces, now known as X spaces, and absolutely aghast by the performance that James Harden put up. And it felt very real in that moment. Oh my God, we th- this is it. This guy is basically quitting on the team as is. And he goes and he gets traded to the 76ers, the team that he wanted to be on, what we understand now. The trade at the time was Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Drummond, and two first-round picks to the Nets for James Harden and Paul Millsap. And at the time, it was still confusing why it was happening. I mean, Kevin Durant was going to come back. The Nets had a good record in that moment. I think they were like 29-20 and or something, 29-22. But all that smoke, there was real fire. Now, recently, I was listening to a podcast from The Ringer. Waz Lambre, Big Waz, was on with Bill Simmons. And Waz said at that, he said, in that moment when Harden wanted to go to Philly from Brooklyn, uh, there were some back-channel discussions. This is Waz's conversation. You know, Waz knows his stuff. That basically Maury reached out to James Harden and told him not to sign the contract extension that was offered to James Harden in that in that offseason leading into the season that he would get traded to Philly and said, hold out and we'll get you over here when the time is right. Okay. Now, James Harden made a huge mistake. He may think this morning now that he's going to be in LA. And as Ramona Shelburne from ESPN reported, he is excited to fly to LA as soon as possible. I'm sure he is. He's from LA. He made a massive mistake not taking the contract extension from the Nets because frankly, he still could have got traded. But that deal, Ben Simmons, Curry, Drummond, two first-round picks, the the 76ers getting James Harden and Paul Millsap, Paul Millsap part of that deal, it stands in stark contrast to what the 76ers just got for trading James Harden to the LA Clippers. Now, both, both deals, let's just be honest, are devastating for the team that had to make them. The Nets are sitting there feeling pretty great, They have one of the best big threes in the history of the NBA when all are stuck together and actually playing. You know, there recently was a clip. I don't even know how these things pop up. But Evan Fournier was like at a photo shoot. And someone asked him during a photo shoot, like, who's the hardest guy you've ever had to guard? Kevin Durant, Kyrie, or James Harden? And he said, well, they used to all three be on the same team. And then someone's like, well, what happened to him? Well, dudes got hurt, but if they didn't, they would have won the championship, which I think we all could see as maybe being possible. But why I wanted to talk to all of you, because I love you all so much. I love you dearly. Nets fans, it's been a torturous run. 
But the one thing I want to impress upon you is that it never was going to happen. As much as there's now been this discussion of that big three, Harden, Katie, and Kyrie, that they were going to win a championship if Giannis didn't stick his big, ugly feet underneath Kyrie Irving, and that if James Harden did not have the most devastating hamstring industry in, <laughs> injury in the history of the NBA, and if Kevin Durant didn't get continually hurt, which again, led to Kyrie wanting to ask out last season that they would have won a championship. I think we now have enough evidence to know that that was never going to happen. I'm sure if you stacked up 100 random scenarios of those three players playing together, you put it into chat GPT, there would be a number of them that the Nets would have won a championship. I have no doubt about that. I think the overwhelming majority of those scenarios would have come out the nets imploding and being broken apart. We are seeing in real time about who these dudes are. You know, there's this thing I think mentally that happens to NBA superstars that there's the team that they rise and become a superstar on. And if they get dissatisfied by that, it's not that they just move on to the next team. They usually move on to a team after that. And after that statistically, and I don't have it, I'm going to look it up. Okay. The person who gets divorced in their marriage. Yeah, I'm making a marriage comparison. It's a little Colin Cowherdy, but this is like, you know, I'm a child of divorce. So this is what's going to go on. Something like 50% of marriages end in divorce. Those people who get divorced typically go on and get divorced again and again and again. Once you break the seal, kind of keep doing it. That becomes part of who you are. Now, not everyone, but part of who you are. Kyrie and Harden specifically have become dudes that just want to go to a different team and that get dissatisfied wherever they are. And that matters for the Nets because I think ultimately, sure, they could have gone on that run where Giannis's big fat foot sticks under Kyrie. Maybe they would have won the championship that year. I still think they would have been somewhat combustible regardless. And also people forget that Harden's, I mean, his hamstring like, I mean, credit to Harden in that series. He was, like, gutting it out against the Bucks, but he wasn't fully healthy either, right? So that was not even going to be, regardless of the Kyrie injury, that was not a fully healthy Nets run. Harden and Kyrie, and I, I'll get to KD in a sec, they are dissatisfied with the place that they went to. I, I, I'm sure all of you have uh, enjoyed the Kyrie comments as he's been in Dallas, talking about his leadership, talking about how he wishes he was in Dallas to start his career because that's how they treat players. They treat him so well. All of that stuff. He said the same thing when he was in Brooklyn. He made such a big deal about coming home to the Nets. There was that picture of him as a kid holding up a Nets logo. And I think he would have ultimately have just been continually dissatisfied and eventually asked out. I mean, let's remember how odd it was back when he asked out on this team. You know, how weird at the time it was. It was Ben Simmons was wishy-washy, of course. But the Nets were, I think, the number one team in the East. When KD gets hurt, we know Kevin Durant is going to come back. And we were in that 
period where Kyrie has to lead the team, lead the team, something he talks about often, talks about his leadership, that he had to lead the team during the stretch that Kevin Durant was out. And it's during that stretch that he wants to be le- he wants to go. And I remember doing podcasts leading into that time when Kevin Durant got hurt and saying, oh, this is going to be totally different than last year. Talking about two seasons ago now. It's going to be totally different. We know Kevin Durant's going to come back and he's going to be great because he always is great when he comes back. Kyrie seemed much more engaged in the leadership aspect. He didn't have this vaccine issue hanging over his head. He recently just blamed the media for what happened, for wanting wanting to leave Brooklyn, which is the most ridiculous thing an NBA superstar could talk about. Because one of the best parts about being a Nets fan to me is the fact that the Nets media contingent isn't the Knicks media contingent. That you can be in New York. I think that's what appeals to NBA superstars. That these guys like Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden can be in New York without getting the overwhelming, glaring spotlight of being a Nick, right? And we've seen that spotlight. That doesn't actually help. It, I mean, it, it's a, such a negative in modern NBA. There's so much attention on these people regardless that being on sort of a low-wattage NBA team like the Brooklyn Nets is a massive advantage. But yet it was still too glaring of a spotlight for Kyrie. Kyrie played with LeBron. Nothing is a bigger glaring spotlight than playing with LeBron in the finals against the Golden State Warriors. And yet he couldn't handle, according to him, the, the media narratives around the Brooklyn Nets. This whole thing is completely just just evidence leading up to the big three era. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden was never going to work. I know how good they looked. I know there's those moments, the KD foot on the line, the foot under Kyrie, the hammy bending and snapping or whatever was happening with James Harden. That if you take the little route, I don't know if people are watching Loki, but the, the different timeline, the different timeline, where sure, out of 100 possibilities, a number of them would lead to Nets championships. I still think an overwhelming majority does not lead to Nets championships because of how the team was built. It was a group of mercenaries who got together, who injuries, vaccine mandates, not signing extensions, and so on, led to a discord within the locker room and on the court. You know, like there was that hilarious time when Kyrie could play as a road player, but not a home player because of vaccine mandates. And he was playing incredible because he played once every seven days. You know, like this team was constantly under a state of reconstruction. You know, it's like the scaffolding you walk by for the past 10 years on your way to work in New York City. It's like, is that building ever going to be finished? No, the Nets were never finished. The Nets never had a stretch of 20 games. You know, I think there was some stat, I forget what it was. There's the famous stat of how many games actually KD, Kyrie, and Harden played together. But then there was another one about basically like Dinwiddie, Joe Harris, and someone else played like 18 18 times more than the big three. Look at who's won championships. And this is where I'm going to get to, and then we'll get to the game last night. I know it's sort of like this tired thing of being like, um, 
because I, I, I don't think there's a definitive path to success on really any level, right? Because we could say recent history, the Milwaukee Bucks were a team that was grown organically, and then they added the one piece in Drew Holiday, and they win a championship. Uh, the Denver Nuggets, grown organically. They added bit pieces like Aaron Gordon and Bruce Brown, who for some reason didn't work here. I suspect it had to do with the stars that were here and didn't like the way he played. But then they win a championship. The the super teams, the Clippers, who are just creating another super team, and I have big doubts at whether that's going to work. Super teams haven't really worked, except for ones that involve LeBron James. If you take LeBron out of the picture, what's a super team that has worked? I mean, Kawhi going to the Raptors is not a super team. That's a calculated bet for one year. And the team had a structure around him. The Nets blew up their structure to get Kevin Durant and Kyrie. Of course you would do that. They made the trade for Harden because, as reported, I think, by Bill Simmons or someone else, KD, Kyrie, Joe Sy, and Harden were all FaceTiming. And they were trying to con- – maybe not Harden was in the picture. They were convincing Joe – we got to make this trade. Going forward for these Nets, okay? The Nets are one and two. They don't have a stud star at the moment. Um, I actually like the team a lot. The reason why they've lost those first two games is because they don't have a Luka Doncic or, I mean, the Cavs have actually been a cohesive unit for a while, but the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell, who's a star. The Nets don't have that. What I would be afraid to do as a Nets team, and I'm glad they didn't do it, and I think this is our first sign of evidence that things are going okay, is the Nets didn't go all in for Damian Lillard. Who knows who they would have had to have sent out to get Damian Lillard? But if they did, they would have cut out a lot of the good stuff on their team, and they would be better right now but they would not be better long-term. What this team needs to do, as evidence, we need to learn from our past. Grow together and make strategic moves. And sure, <laughs> when, when someone becomes a massive free agent and wants to come to Brooklyn, you do that. You, you do use your platform. I mean, But look at the Miami Heat. They, they drafted around Jimmy Butler. They made strategic moves. I mean, they acquired Butler, but then they made strategic moves around him. I think you need to do that in the NBA. You can't just simply construct a roster full of mercenaries. Harden, no matter what, was not going to be happy here long-term for a variety of reasons, mostly to do with Kyrie. Kyrie was not going to be happy here long-term because Kyrie just is no longer has an ability to be committed to one franchise. And Kevin Durant, I still feel... Um, a connection to Durant in the way that I don't, I mean, it's been reported that he didn't want to leave Brooklyn and that if Ben Simmons looked good, that he would have stayed. I I don't think KD really wanted to leave Brooklyn. I think Kevin Durant is a little bit different and maybe I'm being unfair to the entire situation. He wanted to stay in OKC and just couldn't anymore because Russ was doing Russ things. So he goes to Golden State and wins championships. I think he wanted to be in Brooklyn and for Brooklyn to be the place that he played for the rest of his career. He ended up trusting the wrong people in Kyrie 
and then eventually James Harden. He thought that they, because all Kevin Durant cares about is ball, because they are wizards with the basketball, that he can make anything work because KD is so good, that Kyrie is so good, and Harden is so good. But once he saw the situation was deteriorating and Kyrie was doing what Kyrie ended up doing, he felt that he had to ask out. So who won the, the, the James Harden-Ben Simmons trade? Going all the way back. Well, let's look at this real quick. I'm not going to go too deep into the details. The Sixers are getting two first-round picks and a pick swap in the James Harden deal and two second-round picks. In the Simmons trade, the Nets got two first-round picks. So, yeah, the Sixers are getting more draft capital. But the Nets got Ben Simmons. And regardless of how, at the time, let's remember, it was the idea that Ben Simmons was basically ready to go. That was all the information coming out. And he was not. I would still say, amongst all the players that were traded in the Harden trade, if you remove Harden from the equation, in the two Harden trades, so what the what the Sixers get by trading James Harden, what the Nets got in trading James Harden, that Ben Simmons is by far the best piece. Marcus Morris is okay. We all know about Marcus Morris. Robert Covington, Nick Batum are flotsam. Flotsam. Even K.J. Martin, flotsam, as Zach Lowe would say. Seth Curry is probably the second best player out of all those players. Ben Simmons and Curry are probably the two best players. And then it's Marcus Morris. I mean, don't forget, Drummond was like kind of good. So the Nets, in the end, in the end, maybe made out well. And why do we maybe feel confident about that? Because we watched Ben Simmons play a pretty good game last night in Charlotte. 11 points, 5 for 6 from the field. Well, we know where most of those shots are coming from. He did take free throws. He took two free throws. The first banged off like the uh, 2 o'clock on the rim. If you looked at the rim as a clock, banged off 2 o'clock, but the second one made it. 10 rebounds, 8 assists, only 2 turnovers. I mean, that is the interesting thing, that he is being more aggressive, but he is not turning over the ball to such an extreme degree. He has, does have a sense of how to use his body and knows when to give up on a play immediately. Listen, I, I don't know if Ben Simmons will ever be pure Ben Simmons again, right? Like, like he is doing things... Um, he is the, about the oddest player in the NBA about the way he plays the game because he is um, both extremely bright but also understands his own limits to a fault. You know, like he needs a bit of Cam Thomas dust in him. But Ben Simmons is playing better. He's playing more active. He's impacting the game on a variety of levels. He is not a lost clause in any sense. I think he's playing pretty well. I mean, when you when you take out Nick Claxton, and, and I, the Nets are hurting defensively without Nick Claxton. They gave up 121 points to the Charlotte Hornets, and LaMelo Ball had an awful game, right? So they, they are not playing well without Nick Claxton. But offensively, when Nick Claxton is not on the floor, and it's DFS, Bridges, Cam Thomas, Dinwiddie, Lonnie Walker, Royce O'Neal, any mix of those guys... Like, Ben Simmons looks pretty good. 
and the space is enough to operate for him. And his lack of shooting does not hurt the team so much in those scenarios. I actually think there is a pathway for Nick Laxon and Ben Simmons to work together on a pick and roll where it's two bigs running a pick and roll, easy alley-oop, dunk, slam. That could be a part of the offense, and I think it could be developing over time. I'm excited about the Nets. You know, like, sure, but this is a weird place to be in, again, coming down from the Big Three era. And this is the first official season of the team not being, you know, in the Big Three era. But here's what they are. They have a lot of professional basketball players on the team. I mean, they they have a number of role players from former contending teams that are playing well for them. Like, DFS had a really good game last night. He's shooting the ball really well to start the season. But Bridges... Another solid game, not quite as high as he usually was in terms of this season so far. He's averaging about 21 points per game, but still shooting the ball pretty efficiently. Dinwiddie is a guy, a guy. I love Dinwiddie, come on. And Cam Thomas is is the story of the season. Cam Thomas is averaging 33 points per game. He's shooting 61% from the field. And everything I said about him leading into this season is completely wrong. Cam Thomas is about as promising of a young player that we've had here since, oh God, oh God, what do we say? I mean, Levert, Jared Allen, it, it goes back. It goes back a while. Young Brooke, young Brooke Lopez. <laughs> he took, went to the line 14, well, he took 14 free throws last night. He had won a mate. He he should have went another time. There was the time when he, I think it was what was it, the second quarter. He drove to the bucket and he got fouled, but then he got blocked right after that. And the refs only saw the block but didn't see the foul. I mean, he is incredible. And I'm loving the way he is playing. I am so into this team this year. So into this team. I like the role players that Sean Marks has brought in. God, could this team have used Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker during the KD, Kyrie, James Harden era? Like, the fact that this team is trotting out very athletic spark plugs now off the bench as opposed to the decrepit bodies of Patty Mills. Love Patty Mills. But, like, there was a limitation to Patty Mills, to Blake Griffin. Remember those Blake Griffin minutes? Some of them were so fun. But a lot of the time, it was just a rough go of things. This year, dudes are flying around. I like that Jock Vaughn can coach the team the way he wants to. I like that he can give guys certain minutes, more minutes in the moment, like in the first game when Ben Simmons really didn't play all that well and the Nets came on a nice comeback, that it was Ben Simmons on the bench. And then he can mix it up and Ben Simmons could play 35 minutes in the game where he played very well. The Nets were one and two. They had a very clear opportunity to win the first two games. I mean, the Luka play is just absurd. They have a very interesting schedule coming up, and I don't expect them to get wins. They play at the Heat tomorrow on Wednesday, at the Bulls on Friday, and the Bulls are in a complete disarray. Keep an eye on DeMar DeRozan. Again, I'm going to, I like to make. And I, De- DeMar DeRozan come to the Nets. I like to make a trade to this team. I want one more legit scorer on the team to maybe balance things out to make the team just better. I don't I don't see anything wrong with that. 
Then the Nets are home for three in a row. Listen to this. Home against the Celtics. Home against the Bucks. Home against the Clippers. And James Harden. And then they go to Boston. So in a stretch of four games, two Bostons, a Bucks, and a Clippers. You know, and like, it could be a brutal stretch. That could be a four in a row loss, four in a row losing streak. Everyone's sad. Oh, wow, the Nets stink. Blah, blah, blah. I don't think this team's going to lag this year in the way that they had in the past. Like, when KD would be out, there was such a deflating feeling for the team. Now, I think, you know, they're going to try every game. They're going to be striving to be good, to be building as a team. Again, I when you woke up this morning and you saw that James Harden was traded, you're going to see a lot of things about the deal of how this was the best. I mean, because Daryl Morey's um, communications experts in the media are going to be telling you that this was the best deal that they could possibly make. Right? Like, oh, they got the first round picks. Future assets are going to take those future picks and flip them for a really good player. That's what they're going to tell you. That's not going to happen. The Sixers, after their James Harden experience, where he did play really well for their team, he did, end up with Marcus Morris as the centerpiece of the deal. Covington is a non player, Batum is a non player. And listen, I love KJ Martin because of his dad, but he's not he's not a dude, okay? They got Marcus Morris, a guy who did not want to be there regardless, and we all know the Marcus Morris experience at this point. What, are they going to play him and Tobias Harris and Embiid all together? That's it, you know? I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. But I do get a sense of joy about how this thing ended up for the 76ers. I do. I remember at the time when they when the Nets made the trade to send James Harden to Philly, I remember saying that at some point James Harden is going to lead to Embiid asking out. Well, if I'm Joel Embiid and I'm looking at what we got for James Harden, they also gave a P.J. Tucker the deal. And P.J. Tucker, I think, is pretty bad at basketball, but is a dude. He's just as much of a dude as Robert Covington and Nick Batum. I I think I would feel pretty pissed if I'm Joel Embiid. And James Harden quitting on the 76ers could lead to Joel Embiid asking out. And nothing would join me more, and make me as happy as a Nets fan as that. All right, thanks for listening. Sorry, it was just me talking, talking, talking. If anyone made it this far, please tweet at us or go on our Discord and tell me, Mike, I can't believe I listened to you for 30 minutes straight. Uh, check us out on Twitter, at BK Glue Guys. Yes, I'm still doing uh, all the promos. Um, and, you know, we're going to have guests on this year, as usual, and we're going to keep potting. It's going to happen. It's so exciting. This team, God, I love this team. I love watching this team. I just, because it's just a fast, fun form of basketball. Guys are running around the court, kind of learning things about everyone on this team. I'm talking too much. Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas, Cam Thomas. Thanks for listening. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.